Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. How's, how's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. You excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Yes. I love it. We got foam fingers going over here. Uh, this 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 morning we're gonna we're gonna get into God's word here in a moment. Uh, all the kids, where are all the kids at? Let me hear from the kids. Kids, where are you at? Make some noise. It's good to see you. A lot of team spirit going on today. Uh, I, I do have a couple of gift cards that I'd like to give out for the the most team spirit. Whoever has the most. Team spirit. Now, just by default, uh, I will say Pastor Andre was supposed to, to do this. Uh, just in the shuffle of things, it's now fallen uh, to, to me and my responsibility. I will let you know if you have Cowboys, Yankees, or Iowa gear on, you will not win this gift card. <laughs> Pastor Andre, somebody's going to throw you, one of the refs is going to throw a flag at me. Uh, if Pastor Andre was up here in his Iowa shirt, he probably would have given it to an Iowa fan. But now uh, that has, has been thrown out the window. So I, I do, I do. Keegan, I want you to come up. Come on. No, you can't shake, you can't shake your foam finger at me. Like, I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> you want Chipotle or B-dubs? Chipotle or B-dubs? Chipotle. Chipotle. Hey, hold on. God is number one. Yes, good chance. Time out. Before you go, before you sit back down, are those like, are those hammer pants straight from 1987? Those kind of look like, like there's some people in here that remember hammer pants and that's just, that's what it's reminding me of. I'm just going to say that. Uh, and then I have, I have one more. Um, where's my man with the, my man with the, the Viking helmet. Larry, is that you? Is that you? Come on. He does look like a Viking. Completes the ensemble. I love the hat. Congratulations. This morning. This morning we're going to we're going to get in God's word here in a second if you want to. To turn in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be. We've got some fun stuff planned for you afterwards. Uh, after service, we've got some hot dogs that we'll be, we'll, we'll be cooking. Everybody, you know, go through, grab a hot dog. we say, just grab one your first time. Just so, just so we make sure everybody's had a chance to go through. And then after that, you can go ahead and grab another one. We're going we're gonna to clear out some of the middle chairs and have cornhole. And if you think you're good at cornhole, I would just say, bring it. Um, we're gonna have we're gonna have inflatables in the back for the kids. We're gonna have an inflatable thing over here. It's just gonna be a good time for us to hang out as the the body of Christ, as Dream City family, and uh, and spend some time in fellowship and community, connecting with one another because that's what today is all about. Also, want to bring your attention to to your playbook as you come came in. You should have received one of these from the ushers. If you didn't receive one of these, it's okay. Don't freak out. At the end of the message, I will have the ushers come and, and we'll make sure that if you didn't get one, you'll have an opportunity to, to get one and get connected today. 
Uh, last bit of business, I do want to say I, I have my tea up here. Normally, I don't bring anything up here with me to drink. If, if during the message I have to take a sip of tea, please understand I was at a certain game last night that shall remain unnamed. Uh, we won't talk about that uh, for the remainder of the day, but, uh, but we had a good time. It was a lot of fun, but today I definitely needed my tea when I woke up this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Today we're talking about getting in the game. And, and here's my question. My, my question is I look out and I see all of you guys in your team gear and, and everybody's got a jersey on, different colors. I did love the, where's, the, where's my Detroit Red Wings fans at? Where, where are they? Just raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. Over here, yes. I was not anticipating hockey gear. But like full on Detroit Red Wings, like I respect that. I appreciate that. Uh, but as I, as I look out and I see people coming in, we've got different colors, different jerseys, different names on the back. Uh, we, we all kind of have our favorite player, right? Like, like there's that one player that we love. Steve, who's your, who, if, if, I, if I asked you right now, which I am, who your favorite player is, what would your response be? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have asked him. Uh, uh, let's go, let's go Tave. Tavian, who's your favorite player right now? Who is it? Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Washington Redskins, in case you didn't know. Some of you are like, I've never heard of that person because there's only two Redskins fans in here. That's why. <laughs> You're like, who is Terry McLaurin? They're not the Redskins anymore. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They're not the Redskins. I apologize. Even though I'm Native American, I feel like I can say Redskins. Uh, but they're the, they're, the, they're the Washington football team. But to me, they will always be the Redskins. Uh, how about Patrick Mahomes? Any Patrick Mahomes? I'm hearing Patrick Mahomes. All right, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple. Any Cowboy fans? Who's your favorite player? Zeke? Zeke or Elliot? Okay, scrub. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's, 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 here's the point I'm trying to make. We all have our favorite player, right? It doesn't matter how young, how old, if, if you're a little more advanced in years, you might look back on some of the golden, the golden years of particular sports, and it might be Joe Montana. Come on, somebody. You re, if you can remember Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, like how are they not your favorite players that ever walked the face of the earth? Um, but, but we all have our favorite player, Here's my question, and, and, and here's the thing, is because we all love superstars, right? We love the superstars. It's their name that's in the paper. It's their name that gets the endorsement deals. It's their jerseys that are always sold out. We, we recognize instantly the moment that the superstar is put on the screen, we can tell who that is like this. Put that first picture up there. How many of you guys know who this person is? Tom Brady, right? Like we all know, we all know Tom Brady just by looking at him. And, and the fact that he's like 49 years old right here in this picture just blows my, just blows my mind. Uh, but, but go ahead and put that next picture up and see if anybody can tell me who this is. There's a lot of crickets. For those of you watching online, I just want to tell you, you might know, drop it in the comments, but nobody here knows who this is. This is Blaine Gabbert. This is Tampa Bay's number two quarterback who plays behind Tom Brady. But the reason that nobody knows who Blaine Gabbert is is because Blaine Gabbert never sees the field. How about this next picture? How many of you guys know who this person is? Come on. Michael Jordan, right? 
That is the GOAT. For all of you under the age of 18 that think that LeBron is the GOAT, I just want to inform you, this is MJ and this is the GOAT. But go ahead and put, go ahead and put that next picture up there. How many guys know who this is? His name is Keith Booth. He was a member of the Chicago Bulls in their 97-98 NBA Finals winning championship team, Michael's last finals, where they beat the Jazz four games to two, and Mike hit the last shot with the step back through the legs and just left it up there because it was so pretty. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Keith Booth was on that team. Do you know how much time Keith Booth averaged that season? 1.2 minutes per game. You know how many points he averaged per game? 1.1. But Keith Booth was a member of that team. See, we all recognize Michael Jordan. We all recognize Tom Brady. But nobody knows who Blaine Gabbard is. Nobody, nobody knows who, who Keith Booth is. Nobody knows who these people are because they, they sit the bench. They're, they're, they're what we would call bench warmers. Bench warmers are the ones riding the pine. The bench warmers are the ones who, who really don't anticipate getting into a game. Oftentimes, they're praying that they don't get into the game, praying that something doesn't happen to Tom Brady, and now I have to step in. But, but the crazy thing about Brady's story is he was a bench warmer. He was number two until Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Some of you have never heard of Drew Bledsoe, and the reason why is because Brady decided to get into the game. It's because Brady was ready when his name was called. And, and, and bench warmers are, are so numerous. Superstars are very few and far between. I would say bench warmers outnumber the superstars like 20 to 1. Like for every one person I would put up there that you would recognize, there's probably 20 or 30 that you would look at them, you would pass them on the street, you could sit across the table from them and have no idea who they are. They're bench warmers. They often go unnoticed. They often go underappreciated, but they're definitely there. They're, they're more common than superstars. We love the superstars, but, but we can empathize or we can relate with the bench warmers. The thing is, as we look at Scripture, there are plenty of bench warmers mentioned in Scripture. You look at Gideon. Gideon was a bench warmer. He was somebody who was threshing wheat in, in a wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. You look at, you look at Elisha. Elisha was a bench warmer plowing his parents' field until Elijah came and called him. You look at the disciples. Peter's out there fishing, doing good things. Like nothing was wrong with what they were doing. But in terms of the, the kingdom and in terms of the game that we have all been called to be a part of, they were, they were essentially riding the bench until Jesus came and said, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Today, I want us to look at, at a, a story of a man who, who was put on the bench, not by the coach, but, but really kind of put himself on the bench, a, a man by the name of Moses. And we, we all know Moses because Charlton Heston did such a great job playing him in the Ten Commandments. Like we... Every, it seems like every Easter, which I don't know how the parting of the Red Sea got associated with Easter, but it's like every Easter, every Christian movie ever made is like, all right, we'll just put this on TV this one week because it seems to make sense. But every Easter we watch Charlton Heston's parting the, the Red Sea as, as Moses, but, but Moses 
was, was brought up in the palace. Moses was brought up in royalty. He, he murdered an Egyptian guard and then was put in witness protection. He ran because there was a hit put out on him. And so now he's on the backside of the desert tending sheep for his father, Jethro. One day as he's tending the sheep, he looks up on the mountainside, sees this bush that's burning, but is not being consumed. And if you saw a bush that was on fire and continued to burn for a period of time, you would get curious as well. Moses is like, I wonder what's going on. He walks up the mountain. God begins to speak to him from this bush. And here's what God says in Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse seven. The Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because they're harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Now look, the cry of the people has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Verse 10, where I want to draw your attention to today, Jesus, God, God through this bush, speaks to Moses and says, now go. Somebody say, now go. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You, Moses, must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now, now go. Moses is tending sheep. Moses, Moses is there with his shepherd equipment. And now, now God is calling Moses to get off of the bench and he says, now go because I'm sending you. I'm calling you. Moses, it's your time and it's your turn. Yeah. I remember when, when I played basketball in, in high school, my, my coach typically, you know, you, you watch on TV and the coach will yell down at the bench at a certain player and that player gets up and comes running over, takes his jacket off, gets ready to check into a game. That's not how my high school basketball coach did it. I don't know if he just didn't know anybody's names or what the deal was, but he would walk down the bench, he would grab you by the back of your jacket and drag you over to the check-in table. That's how he told you you were going into the game. And so you'd just be sitting there with like a cup of water talking to the person next to you. And the next thing you know, like you're getting dragged to the bench. Thanks, coach. I feel like that's what God did to Moses in a sense. Like Moses is just minding his own business. He's been out there now for 40 years. And one day God in the form of a burning bush comes and grabs Moses by the back of the shirt and says, Moses, it's your turn. Yeah. Moses, I need you to get into the game. And what I want you to understand today is that God is calling you to get into the game. Like me? Yes, you. Little old me? Yes, you. God is calling you to get into the game. For 2 Timothy says that he has saved us and called us. You have been saved and called. How many of you are saved today? You're redeemed, you're washed by the blood, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you have the promise of eternal, e eternal life in heaven with him, you've been adopted and redeemed and reconciled to the heart of the Father. How many of you are saved? Okay, those of you with your hands raised, you have been called. I think it's easy to come into the church and be like, oh, well, Pastor John's called, and Pastor Andre's called, and Pastor Renee is called, Pastor Dobie is clearly called. All the, the, the pastors are called, but 2 Timothy says that we all have been saved and called. You've been called to get into the game. Your Christian journey doesn't end at salvation, but I would argue that it only begins there. 
I think sometimes we give a heart to the Lord and it's like, sweet, I made it. Yes, I'm on the team. You're not called to just be on the team. You're called to be out on the field making a difference. You're called to get into the game to, to play your part. We, we need you. The body of Christ needs you. First Peter chapter 4 says that God has given each of you. Each of who? Each of us? Yes, each of you. God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. What do I do with it? Glad you asked. Use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies? We've all been gifted. We've all been called. We, there, there's a role that we all have to play. But when faced with the reality of being called off the bench and into the game, what happens? Our hands start sweating like, like me, coach. Like you want me. Why don't you put this person in because... Because they're, they're better than I am. Coach, you don't want to put me in. I'll just, I'll just pull an Adrian and fumble the ball. <laughs> Coach, you don't... <laughs> it hurts my heart to even say that. Coach, you don't want me to play because there's always somebody better than us or, or prettier than us or taller than us or more well-spoken than us. And, and we get cold in the game. We read it in scripture, God calling us and our hands start sweating. We start all the, asking all the questions. Our nerves kick in and we begin to, to doubt. That's what Moses did. Verse 11, after God calls him, the very next verse, look at Moses' reply. Moses protests to God, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead these people out of Egypt? Moses is reluctant. As a bench warmer, it's easy to be reluctant. It's easy to have those feelings of uncertainty. And we begin to doubt ourselves and we begin to doubt our ability and our, we, we, we begin to, to doubt even the, the coach. I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. The mission is too big. What if they, what if they don't believe me? Moses began to ask all of these questions. And when you're called into the game for the very first time, it's easy to doubt yourself. One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite football movies is, is, is Little Giants. Has anybody seen Little Giants? Yeah. Little Giants is one of the greatest underdog stories ever told. Uh, it's, a, it's a small town and they're putting together a Pop Warner football team. So they have tryouts and, and essentially all the kids that don't make the team form their own team to take on the team of like all the good kids and all the big and strong and fast kids. And so you've got this team full of, <laughs> full of, of kids that, that, that can't play, not an not a athletic bone in their bodies. And, and in fact, one of, the, one of the coaches was going around town recruiting kids to come play for his team. And you remember the, the old horse rides where you would put a quarter in it outside the grocery store and it just went like this for 30 seconds and it was the thrill of your day? He finds a kid on one of these horses. He's got a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And the coach walks up to him. He says, hey, do you like football? And kid says, no. He says, do you ever played football? And kid says, no. He says, do you want to play football? Kid says, no. Coach says, perfect. You could be on our team. <laughs> like that was the team that he assembled to take on all of the superstars in town. But there's a scene in the movie late in the game. And it's a, it's a close game. The little giants are starting to come back and Quarterback comes into the huddle and there says, what's the play? The play is chicken little flea flicker on two. 
One of the kids says, what's chicken little flea flicker? Quarterback says, it's a pitch to Johnny. Johnny takes off his helmet. He says, pitch to Johnny. You can pitch to Johnny. I'm Johnny. (laughs) And I, I feel like I feel like that's how many of us are when we come into church and we, 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 we feel that tug of the Holy Spirit and, and God's saying, listen, you need to get into the game. And it's like, me lead a small group. I can't lead a small group. Me usher, me serve, me work with kids. I can't do that. Listen, I understand how you feel. Because I remember, I remember the conversation I had with my dad when he was lead pastor. And he says, John, there's like 35 young students, high school students, and we don't have a youth pastor. What do you think about being a youth pastor? I'm like, youth pastor? Johnny can't be a youth pastor. I'm Johnny. Like, I'm going to hurt some of these kids. I will murder a kid. Dad, I will end up on 2020. You don't want this. I don't want this. The kids don't want this. Like, I can't do that. And I remember those feelings and I remember the uncertainty and I remember the nerves and I remember the, the sweating and I remember the sleepless nights and I remember, I remember all of those emotions. But for four years, <laughs> we made it. And some of you are here and, and Christian was in my youth ministry. Now Christian's the stinking media director at the church. So <laughs> something has, I mean, something Something went okay, right? Like, he's still alive. But I feel like when God calls us into the game, it's very easy for us to have those feelings of uncertainty. You need to understand today that not only is God calling you to get into the game, but he's also equipped you for your calling. God has equipped you with what you need for what he is calling you to do. Everything that you need to take that step of faith he's calling you into, he's already given to you. He's already deposited in you. That hard season that you went through, where there was a, there was a lot of seeking God and like God's removing things and putting things in. The reason you went through that is so that he could prepare you for what he's calling you into. It's like, God, why did I have to go through that that diagnosis. God, why did I have to go through that hard time at work? God, God, why did I have to experience all that, all that heartache and, and all that loss? And God says, it's because I was doing something in you to prepare you for what I'm calling you into. God has already equipped you. Look at what, what Moses, Moses continues to protest. Now he says, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, you're a liar? Big, big fat liar, the Lord never appeared to you. And the Lord asked him this, Lord's response. He says, what is that in your hand? Moses says, well, it's a shepherd's staff. God says, throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. What happens to the staff? Turns into a snake. The Bible says that Moses jumped back. And in my translation, there's a Uh, a Hebrew phrase that they left off there that says Moses jumped back and ran like a little girl. (laughs) Only because that's what I would do if I saw a shepherd's staff turn into a snake and God told me to grab it by the tail. I would have said, nope, find somebody else. I will take my seat back on the bench. Thank you very much. But, But God comes to Moses and he asks the question, Moses, what is that in your hand? What is he really asking him? Moses, what do you already have with you? Moses, what have I already given to you? 
What resources do you already possess that in your hand might just be a shepherd's staff? But in my hand, it's going to be a miraculous sign for people to believe not only did I send you, but I am all powerful, I am almighty, and they better listen if they know what's good for them. In your hand, Moses, it might just be a simple stick. But in your hand and submitted to my authority, let's see what we can do with that little stick. Let's stand on on top of a hill and, and stretch it out and watch the Red Sea part. It's just a shepherd's staff. No, Moses, it's not just a shepherd's staff. It's a shepherd's staff submitted to my authority. Today, God has equipped each and every one of us. There are gifts that you have that the body of Christ needs you to put into play. Moses can, continues to protest, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I, I don't know what to say. And God says, look at what I've already given you, don't know, don't, don't focus on what you do, don't know, but focus on what you do know. Yes. Romans 12, Paul writes, and he says, in his grace, God has given us, us again, all of us, different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, guess what? Your job is to serve them well. If you are a teacher, God is calling you off the bench today to teach. If you're an encourager, God is calling you off the bench today to be encouraging. If you are a giver, God is calling you off the bench today to give generously. If you have leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. Whatever your gift is, your job is to get off of the bench and into the game and glorify the Father and serve the body of Christ with that gift. God, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. And God says, I know you and yourself aren't, but with you and what I've put in you and my power through you, let's see what we can do together. It's time for us to get in the game. You have gifts. The body of Christ needs your gifts. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not. It's not a spectator sport. It's a, it's a participation sport. Sport. There are 59 one another's that you can't do unless you're in the game. 59 direct commands to believers and followers of Jesus in the New Testament that you can't do while sitting on the bench. Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. All the one another's that we are called to do can't happen if we are sitting on the bench, disconnected, withdrawn, sitting there by ourselves, we can't do those things. Listen, those of you watching online right now, I love you and I love that, that technology has afforded us the ability to, to during this time, be able to, to still connect in the ways that we connect. But, but you need to understand that, that watching from home, while it might be a great, a great bridge, from where we were to where we're going, is, it, it can't be a replacement. Technology is a great tool, but it's not a replacement. And I think so many times we focus on the fact that, that you need what's happening here, and you do. There's a difference between watching the game on TV last night and actually being there. Like I sent pictures to people, and they're like, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. I'm like, really, that's all you have to say? Why? Because it doesn't translate. 
You're not feeling, you're not experiencing, you're not hearing, you're not, you're not worshiping with the rest of us. You're not, you're not encouraged by the rest of us. And I think a lot of times we focus on the fact that you need to be here. But today, I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the fact that we need you to be here. And I feel like, listen, get ready, those of you that are here sitting on the bench, because I'm coming for you next. But... But I feel like sometimes we, we get this idea, well, I'm just going to watch church. You can't watch church. Because church isn't, it's not spectator. It's participation. And as much as we can participate online, we really can't participate to the fullness that we are called to do. I don't know that that's, know that that's church. You might be being entertained, you might be being taught, you might be being instructed, you might be being encouraged, but how are you using your gifts to serve the body? Now, for those of you that are are here, and for years you've came in and you've sat down and you've walked out, and you've came in and you've sat down and you've walked out, I don't think that's church either. Like, I'm going to go to church today. No, you're not. You're going to go and be entertained today. Because we come and we sit and we consume and then we leave. And we come and we sit and we consume and then we leave. That's not church. Because all you're doing at that point is spectating as well. If you're using your gifts to serve the body of Christ or to serve others, then how are, how are you getting in the game? We've got a lot of bench warmers in church. I heard somebody, I heard somebody say once, and it, and it kind of like caused me to stop and be like, huh? And then it was like, Ooh, and then it was like, ouch. But they said that a a football game resembles church a lot in that during a football game, there are 22 people who desperately need rest being watched by 70,000 people who desperately need exercise. (laughs) It is true. But then we come to church and we watch the, 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 the greeters at the door and the ushers in the back and the coffee shop workers and the worship team and the different ministry, the, the kids ministry, the youth ministry. We, we come into church and, and there are people who desperately need rest, being surrounded by people who desperately need to get into the game. God has equipped you to play a part in what he is wanting to do. It's time for us to get off the bench. God is is always calling people to go. He told Noah to to go into the ark. He told Abraham to go to the land that I will show you. He told Gideon to go and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He told the disciples to go into all the world. He told Paul to go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. It's time for us to get up and go. It's time for us to do something. And it's time for all of us to get into the game. Now, if you'll give me five seconds, I need a drink. What is God calling you to go into today? What is, the, what is the step that God is calling you as he's grabbing you by the jersey and dragging you to the check-in table? Where is that pull leading you? Where is that pull taking you? What is the Holy Spirit even now beginning to do in you. And here's the, the question that I want us to end with today, because we need to understand that, that we've all been called. We've been called to get into the game. We need to understand that we've all been equipped for the calling that he's given us. But the question that I want you to ponder today is who needs you 
to get into the game? Who is, who is on the bench? Who is in the, in the stands? Who's on the sidelines just, just begging the coach to put you in? One of my favorite movies is Rudy. Like Rudy. I don't, I don't, I don't. People who watch Rudy without crying uncontrollably are monsters. Like, listen, empathy is like way down on my list of strengths and I'm not that guy. But when I watch Rudy, it's like ugly cry. And I get goosebumps and the hair stands up on my arms and like I can't even speak for like 10 minutes afterwards because it's just like, yes! When the players, listen, when the players go to the coach's office and they take off their jerseys, they lay them on the coach's desk and say, coach, give Rudy my spot today. One by one, all Americans, coach, give Rudy my spot today. Coach, let Rudy play for me today. Coach, I don't need this. Rudy needs this. Coach, get, get Rudy in the game today. So, so Rudy's on the field, right? Like that's been his dream this whole time. He's on the sidelines. He's on the field. There's like 30 seconds left in the game. And the assistant coaches are, can we put Rudy in? And Dan Devine's like, no, you're not putting Rudy in. Can we put Rudy in? No, you're not putting Rudy in. And so finally, one of the players just starts, Rudy, 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 Rudy. Like, and, and like the, the whole sideline catches on and then the student section hears it and they all start chanting Rudy. And before you know it, the entire stadium is like, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy gets in the game and last player of the game makes a sack on the quarterback and the players lift him up on their shoulders. See, I'm even getting goosebumps now talking about it. I'm not even joking. But when you understand what this man went through, the beating he took for years on the practice field, now to, to be able to, to get into the game. And listen, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even his decision to get into the game, but there was people around him that were saying, we need Rudy. We need Rudy to get into the game. My question is, who's crying for you to get into the game? Sir, your family desperately needs you to get into the game. Your family desperately needs you to lead them out onto the field. Mom, your kids desperately need you to get into the game. Young person, your friends need you to get into the game. Those of you that are more advanced in years, we need you in the game. I need what you have. You have wisdom that we need. My generation is, is crying for wisdom and looking for it everywhere we can, not finding it anywhere, but you have it and we need it. We need you to get into the game. It doesn't matter how old or how young. Kids, we need you in the game. We need you to, to play your part. The body of Christ is not ageist and it's not, it's not once you reach a certain age, then you can participate. No, each and every one of us is called into the game. Who needs you in the game? Moses goes to Pharaoh and through a series of events and we don't have time to go into all of it, Pharaoh agrees and the people of Israel are set free from their, their slavery. Exodus chapter 12 gives us kind of a, a brief snapshot the end of that. Verse 37 says that that night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth, 
where there were about 600,000 men plus women and children, altogether probably around 2 million people. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. 430 years these people have been living in Egypt. 430 years living in slavery, and God calls a man who is on the bench, and he says, Moses, it's your time to get into the game. Moses says, God, I'm not good enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And God says, it's okay. I've already given you all of that, and I will be with you. Moses goes down. God shows himself mighty. Pharaoh agrees to to let the Israelites go. Two million people set free from 400 plus years of slavery and bondage because one man decided to get off the bench. What would happen if Moses had said, no, Gideon, getting off the bench as the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, and he goes and he frees Israel from the oppression of the Midianites because he decided to get into the game. 120,000 Ninevites spared because Jonah got in the game. You and I are here today because someone some time ago decided to get into the game. Think about who shared the good news with you. What if that person decided to sit on the bench? Where would you be today? Where would your family be today? Where would your kids be? Where would your grandkids be? I hear stories of of my dad and, and the, working on the, the railroad of the man coming and, and just sharing the good news of Jesus with him as a 17-year-old kid. And my question is, what if that man had never said a word? What if he had been too scared? What if he had been too afraid? What if he had been too nervous? What if he, he doubted himself in that moment? And rather than, rather than getting in the game, he decided to stay on the bench. Where would I be? I probably wouldn't even be here right now. My four kids probably wouldn't even be here right now. Why? Just because one person decided to get into the game. Listen, church, we need you. Like me? Yes, me. Don't be Moses on me. You talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. We need you in the game. The church needs you in the game. Our city needs you in the game. We need you to get off the bench and get into the game. And I don't know what God is calling you to today, and I don't know where he's tugging you. And as you come in and you look at that playbook and and all of the areas that you can get connected and you can start to serve and you can start to put your gifts into action and into motion to, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, I don't know what that is and I don't know what that looks like. But my challenge for you today is don't, don't come and spectate another Sunday. Don't just come in and eat your spiritual popcorn. Like, well, that was fun, Pastor. That was a good experience, Pastor. I really felt something. The environment that you created, like, yeah, there was that point in the third quarter of your message where I kind of got goosebumps a little bit. Then you lost me in the fourth. (laughs) We just come and we spectate and we consume and we take in and we never leave and do anything with it. Again, my challenge for you today is to get into the game. You need it. We need it. Your family needs it. Those of you that are online, get into the game. We need you in the game. The city needs you in the game. Now, here's what I want to do, and here's how I want to end. If I've got some 
some ushers or some volunteers or some folks that are ready to hand these out if there's anybody that didn't get one when they came in. When you came in, you should have received this playbook. If anybody didn't get a playbook, just go ahead and, and raise your hands. We've got a couple down here. We've got a few. But I'm, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to give you a few moments today. The ushers are coming around. Just keep your hands up. For those of you that are, that are watching online, we're going to put the Connect card or, or a link to a Connect card uh, in the chat for you as well. And so if you want to just pause the stream, click on the Connect card, you can do that or come back after the stream is over, click on the Connect card. But this morning when you came in, we, we gave you a playbook with just, just a few areas that you can get into the game today. A few different areas of ministry that you can begin to serve. Along with that is a, a connect card. You can fill out the hard copy or there's a QR code on the back that you can scan and you can do it digitally. But this morning, I'm just gonna give you a few moments to, to spend with God and, and, and ask God, if you're here as a family, you're here with your spouse, I would encourage you guys to have a conversation. What do you feel? What do you think? Can we get connected? Where do we need to get into the game today? Whatever area of ministry that is, go ahead and take the, the Connect card. Just check that on there. And then as we're dismissed in a few moments, our ushers will be at the back with some buckets and just go ahead and drop this in, in that bucket. I'm gonna come back with a few more instructions for where we're going from here. I wanna take a second to talk to those of you that are already serving in an area of ministry. Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor John, I am in the game. Okay, that's great. And we thank you for that. I would just encourage you, take a moment and reflect. Is, is, God, is God calling you to take another step? Because there's always another step. There's always a next step for us. And until we get to heaven, we will have never arrived on our spiritual journey. So if you're already serving, just begin to ask God, God, is there anything more that you're, you're calling me to? Reflect on that. Take a moment, ask God, how do you want me to get into the game? As he reveals that, check that on the connect card. We'll drop those off. But I want to just give you a couple moments to just spend with the Lord and reflect on how you can get into the game today. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.